Also, a common question that comes up still all the time is, how do I design a good page object? What goes into a good, well-crafted page object? Can you can we walk through some code and talk about that? I have this uh, this the, a workshop that I teach, crafting and test framework. Uh, the the most extensive one that I did on this was. Uh, uh, actually, last year at the testing for good oh, awesome. uh, workshops that you put together last year, Nikolai, and essentially just kind of walking through ideas for here. Here's an example of something. Here's where it's limited. Let's try something different that's better. I and mean, just kind of walking through the thought process for how to improve uh, a pattern. And there's so many different ways to do page objects. There's so many different ideas. There's not necessarily a right or a wrong way to do things. There, there are things that I found that cause problems and things that solve problems, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to solve all of the problems. So the first concept I try to communicate when I am explaining page objects is that we're really trying to split up the responsibilities for what is what what is the business logic? What what the test is is trying to evaluate versus what are all the implementation details of that? So the test itself, you want to write in such a way that it explains what you are evaluating, and then all of the details of what that means. We've talked before, Nikolai, mm -hmm. API, mm -hmm. or you're working with pages, and the idea here is I've got a factory that will tell me what all pages that I have, so that it's just really easy for me to know what I'm working with straight from this. And there are some people that will, in their page object, the, when you construct it, it's going to automatically navigate there. We're going to say we're going to visit it. If I just constructed the home page, this is going to give me, it's going to navigate to this home page that the page object itself knows about, and it's going to return uh, an instance of it so that I can use it um, for other things. To touch on one point I you mentioned, so. I mean, it even yeah. it's not even a good practice in software development to have constructors do stuff. Um, if you want to have a testable class, you don't want constructors doing operations. So right, 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 right. And this is this. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's it's a cool idea. I, I the first the first the first job that I had doing test, or actually the second job I had doing test yeah. automation, we're like, man, you know, it'd be really great if right. we could just automatically do this stuff. And then the next job I was at, I'm like, aha, I'm going to yeah. automatically do this stuff. And then it was horrible. We had all right. sorts of problems. There's all sorts of things. There was like, well, I mean, you could sign in from multiple different pages. And so the output of the pages would take you to different places. And so it's like I ended up with it, it was I can it was imagine. No example. This is not something that I've scaled out to yeah. a full thing. This is just kind of showing off some ideas. But I have an app. I've got a, a driver wrapper that I'm calling a browser. And the app is setting that. The, and it's, it's essentially just listing pages and APIs. This is literally just a way to list all of the things that you have access to. Uh, to, to, inter to, interact, to interact with the application. Uh, in, um, in order to make it can you Can you show the pages factory and the API factory? Yeah, this probably isn't even, like you could do this re with reflection, probably better, but I've been coding everything with Java 8. That's that's another important thing. This this month is the last month that Selenium is. The next release will be the last release that supports Java 8. Um, Selenium 4.14 and higher will only support Java 11. So there's some cool reflection things that you could do instead of instead of doing this pattern. But it's it's literally just 
hard coding. Here's the list of list of pages, and we're going to return nice. an instance of it based on based on calling it's that clean. static. Very method. clean. So it's clean, but it's it's hard yeah. coding. It makes some things easier, but it's then you know harder to scale. Like I said, there there might be some kind of and, and, re reflection magic that you could do that that might make that easier. Um, the other thing that we've we've talked about before, Nikolai, is is like a method on this. Uh, so this is just the app page, and this login successfully. I don't necessarily want need to know in my test how I'm logging in. I don't necessarily care. Like if I don't care if it's logged in by a page or by an API, why not have it in some app class? And this is going to do whatever the, the easiest thing is to log in or add an item to the card. So this is like if I don't care about how it's done, just call it on the, the app page. But when I'm in my test here, where's my test? Sign in, let's do sign in successful here. I actually do care that it's the page object that's logged in successfully. That's what I'm testing. So I'm not going to call, I could do soft demo app dot login successfully. And that would just make sure I'm logged in. But I actually want to test mm. from the home page that I can log in successfully. And this is the second thing that, I'll, or another thing that I'll, I'll point out here is I like opinionated methods on page objects. They can wrap whatever the, the actual underlying thing is. But when you make it opinionated, what you're doing is now you can create synchronization code for it. So I'm going to do the login, whatever, whatever that is by default. And then I can put a synchronization step and saying, if this is successful, then I'm expecting the URL to change from what the, the login page URL is. And so I'm going to wait for that. And if it doesn't change in whatever time I've said, I'm going to look for error elements on the page. And then I'm going to pull up those error elements and pass that into whatever custom ex exception that I have generated. So like, you know, what's, what's, what's the most common not? Selenium error when, when you're running tests? It's element not found, right? How, how often is element not found the actual problem with your test? Never, because it's the element after the problem that you're trying to do the next thing with. So the stack trace is wrong. The error isn't useful. Like you get no useful information. You have to see where it was and then back up to figure out where the problem is. And if you were able to do something like this in your page object, your stack trace now goes to the method that was the problem. It figures out that you can get a much better error message from it potentially. And, and also it's synchronized in a way that you know what you're waiting for. You're not going to take the next act. You're less likely to take the next action too soon because we have, we have an expectation of what should happen when the preview, when the method we're executing finishes so that we can go on. And this is the same thing with like a, an unsuccessful login, right? If, if it's unsuccessful, I'm, I'm, I can wait until the error elements page is, is present. I'll wait for an error. And if the error never shows up, we're like, hey, it should have showed up, but and, you know, like, are we actually on the next URL where we shouldn't be? So things like that. So this is this is kind of when I'm talking about what what a page object should look like. I am defining the elements at the top. This is this is a lot. I'm, I'm wrapping the elements and, and doing some some extra things. But however you're defining the elements, you put it at the top. I like my visit method here. And then just the opinionated methods of login unsuccessful, login successfully. And, and notice this has a reasonable default. If I don't put anything, 
it's going to log in successfully with a valid user. So reasonable defaults, explicit overrides on things. And no page factory. The page factory class from Selenium has a lot of problems with it. And it's, it's frustrating that it's there because a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's in the Selenium repo, therefore it must be official. It's, it's not official. It's most of us don't like it. We're not actively maintaining it even at this point. No one, no one wants to be doing stuff with it. And for Selenium 5, I am, my, my goal, my plan is to uh, pull, pull it out entirely. It won't be distributed with Selenium directly anymore. It'll be distributed. We can put it out there somewhere else. The Selenium code base really be focused in on core Selenium instead of opinionated add-ons. That, that that'll be that'll be awesome because it would remove a lot of confusion. Like in .NET, they were removed that, I want to say like Selenium 3.11 or something because I yes. remember writing a blog post about it. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I think they were deprecated. Yeah, uh, so Jim Evans did the smart thing and pulled out both the page factory implementation he did for .NET and also the expected conditions class. And this is another one I'm not a fan of. If you, if you see, like see here, my wait until's, this is passing in a Lambda. So I'm being very explicit about this is what we're evaluating and keep checking for this until it's true and then exit the loop. Uh, the expected additions class essentially does this underneath. But, but for instance, Nikolai, do you know, do you know what uh, uh, clickable, wait for clickable is? The expected addition, do you know what it checks for? Mm, you, yeah, now I'm, now I'm asking think, you on the I spot. don't think so. I would imagine it checks that you can interact with the element. Right. So it's checking two things. It's checking, is it displayed and is it enabled? And so if you use that expected addition, but the element's not there, it's going to fail because it's not, it's not checking that. It's checking for displayed and enabled for an existing element, right? So there's just a bunch of like, what's the precondition? What are the things? Most people don't think that isn't checking for enabled, right? It's just checking for displayed and then it can be clicked. The other weird thing about that one is it's entirely possible that you can then click the element and have a click intercepted error come back because it doesn't, there's no way to check if the click is going to be intercepted until you try and take the click. So there's a lot of things like that built into the expected conditions that make it not obvious what's going on, overly complex. And it's actually really easy to get these to kind of loop. Like you're calling one method that takes an action that, that then calls the same thing itself. And then we, people keep abstracting things in ways that make it very non-performant. And I explained, I explained this, I, I wrote a blog post about page factory a couple of years ago and kind of walk through how some of these things can, can get, uh, you end up making like 10 extra calls than, than what you need, uh, to, to get the information. So anyway, the, the point being that Jim Evans pulled out the expected conditions because he's like, you have anonymous functions in.net. You've had those longer than, than Java has had them. You should know how to work with them. Please use them. Same thing in Ruby. Ruby's had blocks and procs and lambdas for, like since the beginning, it's built into how Ruby works. And so it did not make sense for us to have expected conditions. Java and Python both have expected conditions still. And I would like to pull that out of both of those libraries. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but uh, but that's, that's the idea is pull out all of the stuff that's wrapping and providing uh, an implementation detail, rather like a opinionated, here's, how to, here's a, an, an implementation of what you can do on top of core Selenium pull those out and focus just on this is what core selenium is. And you know, and that's a big, big part of maintainability for large code bases is like, you have to set, you have to set limits. People are I'm like, why can't you add this to selenium? And like, because then we'd have to maintain it, right? Like we have to write it, maintain it, keep up with it. And you know, I, 
I, I wish Selenium had a lot more developers that could keep up with everything, but I think we're doing pretty well doing mostly monthly releases with uh, the resources we have. So, um, Titus, can you share the link to this repo, your Selenium logger, and yeah. also your blog post on page factory so I can link to them? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Please. And I, I, I figured I'd show uh, wait, one more wait, thing here real go, quick about this is everything you showed. Um, go back oh, okay. to your tests. You, there was one that was uh, interacting with an API and the UI. Like this, like uh, this. So, so this is an example of what you're, you're asking about, right? Like, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't yeah. care if I'm logging in by yeah. API or by page object, right? If, and this is, we've talked about this before, but the idea, if you have these big picture things that are used in many places, if you put that in the application itself, you know, maybe I don't have an API for this specifically and actually log in successfully, right? Like you, in order to log in with it, you have to add a cookie to the page. So you're actually using both an API to get the authentication token, but then using the browser to set the cookie. So it's a combination of both API and page and you don't, it doesn't belong in the API section. It doesn't belong in the page section. So you put it here and it just does whatever it needs to do then to say. It's awesome, Titus. I, I love this. I, I finally got to see it and understand the logic and why it exists. Right. So it's, doing, it's doing both of these, right? Like it's using the API yeah. to get the authentication token. And then it's, it's uh, so it has to visit yeah. the page to get on that URL to get on the domain yeah, and then you sense. can authenticate with the API. And, and, and what's great um, about this, yeah. if you go back to the test, please, is that um, what we find a lot of times with customers or people starting with automated testing, they might start at end-to-end -end UI automation because it's black box and it's easier. And if you write a test that looks like right. this, literally says sauce demo app that login successfully, and later you become more skilled and realize that you can use an API to authenticate. You just go into that method, update and do what Titus did. Your tests remain the same, but now you have a more effective way of authenticating. Right. Yeah, this could be yeah. implemented with, with page objects in, yeah. instead directly. And then when you go back and I'm like, hey, I'm going to try and get an API to do this, then you just yeah, change it awesome. to one spot. Um, and then the other question, yeah, and people always ask, how do I mix UI and APIs? This is how. Um, the other thing that I wanted to see you show, you mentioned how logging from a login successfully or a login unsuccessfully will be better with the Lambda. Can you show us that? Like, especially the point that you mentioned how um, you'll get a no such element exception following after the real root cause. Uh, I'd love to see what that looks like. Yeah. So, well, I mean, this is, this is what I'm saying is if you didn't have this, so log in successfully, if we weren't yeah. waiting for it, if there was a problem submitting the form, let's, uh, so let's say I'm doing everything with, uh, with the browser, then on the, let's see here, the cart test here, right? So instead of login successfully, I'm actually going through, you know, the, page the page the pages here to log in successfully like that right so i do i'm doing that instead of instead of this if this was actually wrong so like let's 
I'm not going to wait and submit form. And instead of this, I'm going to be doing a user dot locked out, right? So this isn't going to work. If I run this and do login successfully, it's going to actually not work because it's a locked out user for whatever reason. And then the next thing that happens is we're going to try and view the Bolt t-shirt project product. And so it's going to try and locate this item one link and click it. This is where it's going to error because it didn't actually successfully log in. So it's we're going to get back saying, couldn't find item one link. And you're like, well, what, what does that mean? Like we're, we're in, we're now the stack trace goes to this method, which is the inventory page. It's not even on the, the right page object to see the information. So th the idea is to try and get the error message where you need it and both synchronize to make sure that you're not trying to do the next click too early. But also if there's a problem, give information about specific information about what the problem might be. And in each of these things makes it a lot easier to tell if you've got a real problem or a code problem, because that's where most of us spend our time in automated testing. Something failed. Is it real? Is it not? If it's not real, how do we fix the test code? If it is real, how do we reproduce it and submit a bug for it? So any, any, anything you can do in your code to make that part easier can dramatically reduce your maintenance cost. And so I want to see this executed to see what an error would look like using this kind of approach. So if, for example, right, so um, I guess the login successfully has to fail and then we'd see what an error would look right. like. So let's, so like, so right, so this log, so I'm going to, to use this locked out one here, let me go to, hold on, I need to, so let us go to authentication test. So sign in successful. Now I'm actually passing invalid, but what the method is actually using is an invalid user. So let's take a look at what happens when we run this. Oh, interesting. I bet you this is using, so here we go. Unexpected exception thrown, page object validation exception. Yeah. So here we go. So the error that I get is an assertion failed. I'm expected unexpected exception. I've got a page validation exception. The user is not logged in. We found the error and the error is epic sad face. Sorry, this user has been locked out. So now I get information that makes sense about what's going on. And if I click on this stack trace, I'm right here. That's right. So here we go. So this is, well, no, but so, so like mm -hmm. I'm going down to the homepage mm -hmm. right here. It's in the stack trace exactly what happened. I was waiting for this, it timed out, and this is, this is what I got. So I can see exactly, I am in the exact right spot mm -hmm. to see this didn't work. And I'm like, oh yes, this is an invalid user. Let me, let me change that to, or in this case, it's yeah the user that got passed in. So, and, and if you didn't have this here at all, so if we're using a locked out user and we don't have this at all, which is how you would traditionally see something, the error you're getting is, so what's gonna happen is I'm gonna try and log in. We're gonna find out that we're, we're not gonna log in successfully and it's gonna try and click on this and we're going to get an error that doesn't make sense or this not, it doesn't make sense. It's just not going to be useful. And the stack trace isn't going to be useful. Here we go. So the exception expected condition failed waiting for seconds. Yeah. It, it, it's, the, it's the exception that you always see for every 
no such element exception or you know, whatever wait until... exception. right well i think that i'm i am doing something a little different with this but yeah if you if you go back right here we go. So I am I actually I am doing a little bit more processing with this page object implementation. So even without this, I'm seeing something slightly more useful, but it's still not really giving me the information that would make it easy for me to troubleshoot what's going on. So opinionated method with synchronization and trying to see if there's additional information you can add to an exception message that will give you more context faster without having to spend time digging through the the whole flow of the test to figure out what what might have gone wrong where it does it's awesome i i like it all right that makes sense and again this is only one example of something you can do there there are lots of there are lots of ways to optimize these things and improve things there there's there's Functionality that makes more sense if you're doing a lot of things with forms, there's going to be different things that make more sense if you have a lot of uh, modals and, and, you know, single page app, you're not going to be doing as much with URLs. Um, yeah, that's all for me, Titus. You spent an hour here with us. Um, where can people learn more about you and what you're working on? Yeah, probably the, the best play. I used to give everyone Twitter, but now it's, it's uh, other than what it is. So I've uh, titusfortner.com and I've got links to all of the social media places and other places that you can find me on the, the left side now, all the fun buttons. And, uh, and I'm trying to write more posts more frequently. Uh, we'll, we'll see how long I can keep that up. I keep saying I want to write a blog post about this and then never get around to doing that. I've got, a, I've got two half-written blog posts about the logger that we just talked about uh, that, that hopefully I'll get out there at some point. Awesome. Yeah, be sure to go check out TitusFortner.com. Follow him on social media to keep up with all amazing Selenium content and um, Selenium logger and future developments that are coming from him and us. Um, Titus, thanks so much for joining. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you as always. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in like four or five weeks. Always a pleasure, Nikolai. Yeah. All right. Take care, Titus. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Hey, and thank you so much for tuning into the test automation experience. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to give the show a thumbs up, subscribe down below. And if you have any questions about what you saw, any comments, comment below. I respond to every single comment and thanks so much for your time and see you next time.